We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here alongside James Anderson. You can find out on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Uh, James, minor league games getting underway today. This will actually be the last podcast we have uh, before we start our new routine of, of actually watching one minor league game per week and kind of reporting on, on that game and, and giving you our first-hand takes on that. Uh, so that should be fun, but... Looking at the schedule for today's games, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to watch any of these minor league games. We did get an MILB TV subscription here in the office, which I'm really jacked about. But any uh, pitching matchups from today that you're you're excited about? Uh, it didn't really seem like any. Uh, there were anywhere there were just two studs on the mound necessarily, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, a lot of big names uh, pitching. Um, I did have that page up, but uh, I mean, anything sticking out to you on that? I mean, not. You're right. I, no, like you know, 
matchup as far as pitching goes that really jumped out to me. I know Robert Stevenson's on the yep, bump. Yeah. Big guy. My one of my Bobby, guys. If I w- if I had to watch one game today, I'd, I'd watch uh, Rob Rob Stevenson's first game of the year. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I also like to see Marco Gonzalez. Uh, down at, at Memphis, I'd like to see him. I think he's going to be up and make an impact this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough when you're like kind of picking out which which games to watch because you know some of these guys we have seen. I mean, there's probably the best straight matchup is is a Cole Stewart versus Drew Smiley matchup, uh, Fort Myers versus Charlotte. But we, I mean, we've seen Drew Smiley; he's just rehabbing down there. Cole Stewart, obviously, uh, you know, a guy that we probably haven't seen that much of. Um, you know, Tim Barry, Chris Stratton, both those guys are probably going to pitch in the big leagues in some capacity at, at some point, but neither guys at top 200 prospects. So that doesn't really uh, do much. Um, you know, Gyro Laborts out there pitching, Brett Honeywell, um, AJ Cole. Uh, there's, yeah, there's a number of guys out there that are definitely worth uh, watching if, if you get a chance. But, I mean, by the time you're listening to this, those games will probably be over. Yeah, Nick Kingham, I think, too. There's also some sad starters like Brad Penny. <laughs> Brad yeah, I think I saw Scott uh, Carroll's going. Yeah, I think one of the worst <laughs> matchups may be David Holmberg versus Buck Farmer. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Just <laughs> David Holmberg, I mean, he actually finished last season pretty well. For what, about, what about uh, Jorge De La Rosa v. Vidal Nuno? <laughs> That's decent. <laughs> Steven Matz is pitching versus Brad Peacock. I mean, that's that's I mean, not bad. Can't turn that off, quite Ed, honestly. Edwin Diaz v. Jose De Leon's actually not that bad either. I'm excited to see these games. I mean, never had an MILB subscription myself. And you know, Derek and I were talking about maybe going to see uh, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers this, this Sunday. Uh, see Cody Medeiros. Cody Medeiros. I mean, Jake Gatewood also giving ahead a giving out a dual Jonathan Lucroy bobblehead where he's not only behind the plate catching, but he's also the batter at the at the bu- uh, at the plate for uh, that at bat. Doesn't really make any sense at all, but I might have to get my hands on one of those. But uh, James, let's jump into some news just regarding prospects who are already making an impact at the major league level here. Devon Travis, of course, of the Blue Jays, three hits and a homer in his first two games. Um, you know, the, the power may not be all that surprising. I mean, he did have ten homers last year at Double A. Uh, but what are what are your realistic expectations for him this year? You know, I think the biggest takeaway. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not really going to change the way I I would evaluate him, but the fact that he's getting off to a hot start, I think, goes a long long way in kind of maybe giving him a better chance of sticking all year as as the starter. Because if you know, say if he'd got, come out and had a rough couple of weeks then we might see them kind of, you know, moving some stuff around, but it'd be, it'd be really nice to see him just get, you know, a couple nice weeks, maybe all of April where he's just playing really well. And that way he can kind of lock down that job possibly for the rest of the season. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went 15, 15 or something like that, you know, if he was playing almost every day. So, um, maybe not quite a top 10 second baseman, but I, I think you can make a case that he's a top 15 guy, uh, definitely a top 20 guy right now. Yeah, I, I'm actually with you on that, and I think, uh, you know, if he does stay hot like this, really going to make it tough, maybe not even a tough decision as far as inserting Meister's tourists back there. I mean, if he keeps this up, the team's really got to roll with this guy back there. And they've they've really kind of, you know, I, I was thinking about doing an article on this, but the, the Blue Jays, I, I can't remember the last time a team – went this kind of all in on their farm system in one season where you're seeing 
not only that we were talking, you know, a month, two months ago about how their top three prospects were all going to possibly make the opening day roster in, in Norris, Sanchez, and Pompey. But, you know, after that, I mean, there's still Travis, Castro, Ozuna. Those guys are all going to be a big part of this year's team. And that's, that's kind of crazy. I mean, they're really kind of saying they don't really care about you know the service time stuff with with some of these second and third tier prospects they just want to i mean they're, they're window to win i think i think the writing's kind of on the wall that if they don't make the playoffs this year there's going to be some changes in that front office so there's really no reason for adenopolis to not kind of treat these guys like now commodities yeah definitely and it's surprising too that not only are they bringing these guys up right away but they're also you know, giving them important roles. Of course, Travis as a starter at second base and Miguel Castro, who you mentioned, uh, already taking on a prominent role in in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, surprising to me because he'd only he hadn't pitched at all above high A coming into this year, but it looks like they're going to be relying on him as as a primary setup option. Is he somebody that in dynasty leagues you're going to? I mean, I don't. We have our Fab coming up for SKL too. Don't want to give you. Uh, make you give away too much, but is he maybe a guy that you you throw a buck at and maybe sit on as a potential uh, closer option down the road? Yeah, I mean, I in most of my well, I'm in a 20 team dynasty league with 40 man rosters where he's already owned. Uh, the other one that would be an option, I guess, would be the SKL two, which you alluded to, and yeah, I mean, he should be on a roster in that mm-hmm. league. I. I'm in a tough spot in that league because I have just really only one kind of opening. So I've got, you know, I've got four or five bids out there and, and he's one of them, but there's three or four guys. I I think I want more than him. So, you know, I'm going to be willing to, to drop Gerardo Parra as the guy that I'm, I'm willing to drop, but the rest of my team, they're either guys on the DL or they're guys who, you know, like Marcus Stroman, who I'm just going to have to hold all year, taking up a roster spot. So I don't really have enough room to kind of make an aggressive play for a guy like that. But I even think in single-season leagues, it wouldn't be that surprising to me if, if we saw, you know, say Castro has a really nice April. Uh, something happens to Brett Cecil. I mean, he hasn't been healthy his entire career, uh, could struggle. I mean, they might just decide that maybe Castro should get some looks in that ninth inning this year. And maybe maybe they'll just play the matchups too with Cecil being a lefty. So uh, I think he's got some some 2015 value if you're not in a dynasty league to just be like, hey, this guy maybe he'll just be good for ratios and strikeouts. But there's some saves potential here too in 2015. No, I'm with you definitely, and I'm actually logging on right now to my Yahoo account and going into my my holds league and trying to add him because if he's in, if you're in the holds league. This, this could be a, a, an elite option for holds, I'd say. You know, and, Zuna, I mean, more of a long roll, but you know, a guy that I, I'm pretty excited about long term. I mean, coming back from Tommy John uh, recently, but I think, you know, bullpen for now, are, do you think that he could still be a starting candidate in years ahead, in future years, or do you think that this is where he'll be long term? You know, it's tough to say. I a lot of times we see it really tough for guys to go back and make that transition back to starter if they spend an entire year in the bullpen. Um, I I don't know. They've got some other pitching prospects. I mean, they're going to get Stroman back next year. Uh, they're not necessarily in a spot where they need both of these guys or one of these guys to become a starter. They can just use them as bullpen pieces. And they kind of almost 
sort of have have to at this point because they just skipped the developmental process on the starter side and that's fine too i mean i think people people don't realize that there's you know of the all the starting pitchers that were ranked in you know our top 100 or our top 200 more than half of them could be relievers at the big league level right now i mean i don't i don't think that that's absurd to say i mean you could bring up you know robert stevenson or you know whoever alexander reyes i mean whoever whoever you want and you could have them be a high, high leverage option because of the stuff they have people don't do that obviously because they want to turn them into starting pitchers and that's that's where the developmental process takes time that's where you got to figure out how to turn a line over a lineup over a couple times and and get triple a and double a hitters out but i mean if you just go in there and pump gas for one inning and, and have a, a nice secondary pitch then that's really all you need to be a, a lockdown reliever yeah definitely well we'll move on here talk about another guy who's making an impact early on and that's jake lamb uh homer already but more importantly no strikeouts through three games uh looking like you know he's gonna have that job looks like his money tomas really uh, they're scrapping that that experiment <laughs> altogether. A, that Shocker. terrible experiment. Shocker, I know. <laughs> yeah, what the hell were they thinking? That's that, well, it obviously didn't play out, but uh, <clears throat> you know, I could see that. You know, as in that being an area of need, them wanting that to happen, but didn't work out. So that leaves Lamb as really a <clears throat> you know a top option there. Uh, actually, I don't think he was in the lineup for opening day. I think Aaron Hill got the start at third, but. You know, he looks like he will be playing regularly with with Hill in a bench role. How, how much, you know, how highly are you valuing Lamb right now? Because, you know, I got him in a in the reserve round, and you kind of, uh, you know, made it seem when we were discussing, you know, I well, I was throwing out some trade options because I I don't really need him in my lineup right now. Seems like he was creeping up your your overall big board as far as you know players for this season. Yeah, I I think he's probably a top 20. I'd value him as a top 23rd baseman just because we there's so much that we don't know. You know, like I'd, I'd rather have Jake Lamb than someone like, you know, David Freeze or Connor Gillespie or someone like that right now where we, we know what they're going to do. I mean, you can get that production kind of whenever you want it on the waiver wire. Whereas Lamb, you know, could he be sort of a Pedro Alvarez type? I mean, could he could he be a guy that hits twenty twenty five homers and and maybe hits two forty or something like that and hits somewhere kind of in the middle of that lineup? I mean, I I don't necessarily see why not. I mean, he's playing in a nice nice home ballpark. Um, I mean, even even if he just kind of, I mean, I could even just see fifteen homers and like two fifty or something like that. Mm. I mean, that's that's going to be useful in certain leagues. So probably should be owned and in 12 and 14 team leagues right now just based on the the potential yeah i i still think that now would be a decent time to sell maybe if if, if you yeah. if you are set at third base and in the corners and uh because you know after that that homer in that game and uh you know i think he's batting six for them uh now may be a decent window i i, I think i i was doing um i was answering some ask an expert questions today and someone asked they they were offered Jake Lamb and Jason Greeley for Jack Peterson in a single season league. I mean that's that's one that wow. I kind of had to think about a little bit. Um, and I mean that kind of shows you. I mean you're not going to be able to go, hey, here's Jake Lamb, give me your good player. But you can do Jake Lamb and 
you know, a nice, you know, second or third tier starter or a, or a closer or someone like that and try to try to really upgrade somewhere on offense. So, um, yeah, I mean, people are kind of valuing this guy as a potential breakout candidate. Uh, there's probably a 50-50 chance that that happens. I mean, he could kind of fall flat on his face later on in April and, you know, they might be kind of spinning their wheels again at third base. So, I mean, <clears throat> if you can get like a nice haul, you might as well pull the trigger. Yeah, just five games above double-A coming into the year. I think you will have some ups and downs, but also walks a decent amount. I mean, high on base percentages throughout his minor league career, 399 on base at double-A in 103 games last year. So, you know, I think I think the home runs may be modest, maybe 15 uh, in total for the year would be reasonable. I mean, that you, you only reached think, that number once in the minors, but I think that's a reasonable number. I think if you... It it all kind of comes down to how many plate appearances he gets, really, when when we're talking about his power. Because if there's a scenario where he plays in like 145 or 150 games, I would have no problem taking the over on 15, and I would I would almost set the line at like 20. But there's also some scenarios where he plays 120 or 110 games and then in that case I think you'd be probably be fortunate to get to 15. Yeah it's he's somebody I I'm definitely watching pretty closely but it's again I I think now may be a decent time if you know an owner's you know kind of chomping at the bit to get the next guy. Especially if someone comes to you and Mm -hmm. is asking about him I mean you might not be able to get that kind of a haul if you're just out there shopping him to people that didn't ask about him. But if someone comes to you and starts asking about what it, what it would take to get Jake Lamb, I mean, that's that's a spot where you could probably get a nice haul back. Exactly. So who, what did you tell the guy and ask an expert? Which way did you lean? I actually told it because it was, it was kind of complicated because it was based on his sort of pitching staff and the fact that he really – he had Jonathan Papelbon and no other closers. And I told him if it was a single-season league, I'd do that just because I like Grilly a lot. Mm-hmm. And his outfield was kind of stacked, so – I mean, it was kind of team con- yeah, context exactly. central, but I mean, I wouldn't do that in a keeper league. I'd rather mm-hmm. have Peterson, obviously, in a keeper league. But um, I mean, I think I view Lamb as kind of a an interesting piece. I mean, someone that I don't know if I'd trade much for in a ten or twelve teamer, but in a like a seventeen team league like our uh, SKL or stake, I I definitely think he he should be valued, um, you know, appropriately. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and everything. All those deals are, you know based on team needs for your fantasy team. And I'm with you. I do like Grilly this year. I mean, he may get flipped at the, you know, in the summer months and, and move to a team in a setup role. But, yeah, if you really need saves, I mean, Jock's batting eighth on that team. I mean, I like Jock Peterson long-term too, but I'm with you that, um, you know, you get two pieces like that for Jock. And if you're set in the outfield, uh, I definitely think that that's a reasonable deal to take. Now, Eddie Butler made his uh, 2015 debut on Wednesday against Milwaukee, <clears throat> you recommended him on the Fantasy Baseball podcast as a nice daily option, only $5,000 on DraftKings. I thought that was a great deal, and I did use him. Um, not you know, not um, anything in, insane by any means, but really a strong start, uh, quality start in the, in the finale against Milwaukee. Well, um, well, he, he <clears throat> was one out away from, from a quality start. And, yeah, one and, out. And, like, I think he was at – you know, 85 or 87 pitches or something like that. So, you know, one one bounce here, one break there. I think he probably gets that quality start. Uh, 
you know, the one negative to maybe take away is you had four walks, I believe, but you know, five strikeouts. Uh, I, I mean, I, I thought it was solid. I mean, mm-hmm. going into a place like Milwaukee, um, I mean, that's, it's kind of a middling lineup, but I mean, it's not like he was striking or he was going through a bunch of scrubs and, if he doesn't give up that two-run bomb to Lind, then we're talking about a potential, you know, scoreless six scoreless frames there. So I think, I mean, if you if you started him in daily leagues, he probably didn't win you money by himself, but he definitely didn't. He wasn't the reason you didn't cash. You know, I mean, if you if you rolled with him because you should have done something with that money you saved on pitching. So, um, you know, kind of encouraging. I think you probably go out and add him and in some maybe 12, 14 team leagues right now. I think the the fact that he didn't go deep into the game, that's probably something that's going to be a trend with him this year because, you know, you don't typically see these guys when they're this young and this inexperienced go much deeper than six innings. But uh, I think he'll be solid at preventing runs, especially on the road. Yeah, I think that's a really good sign just in general that he was able to hold a team like Milwaukee. You know, they were without Ryan Braun, I get it. He did make a pinch hit appearance in that game. But the fact that he was able to come out and – you know, hold them to, you know, so so few runs after beating Clobbered really last year in his major league appearances. Uh, good sign that the shoulder is close to full strength at least. I, I would like to add him where I can. I'm with you that, you know, maybe not going to go more than six very often really at all this year. But uh, on that team, without a lot of people to push him for his job, I think he's pretty well locked in. And I would like to get at least a couple shares of Butler for sure. Um, let's move on to some quick hitters here, though, James. Archie Bradley, the Diamondbacks, really a surprise, you know, addition to the to the opening day rotation after they, of course, traded uh, Trevor Cahill to the Braves. Now, he's going to make his big league debut Saturday. We talked a little bit about this on the Fantasy Baseball podcast, but uh, what are you expecting from Bradley here? I would be happy if he went out and did what Eddie Butler did. I think I would probably bet on him being maybe less successful than butler um tough matchup too yeah and it, and it's it's his first big league start i mean butler had already kind of gotten some of that type of you know anxiety out of the way last year uh i wouldn't start i wouldn't recommend like i recommended butler uh, i'm not going to recommend bradley in any mm-hmm. daily leagues but it's definitely a start that you should probably tune in and watch yeah just to see some eyes on him because the talent's definitely there. <clears throat> Seem to be, you know, incorporating a slider cutter type of new pitch in the fall that, you know, I didn't really see much of his action in in spring training, but uh, the results were definitely positive, and I'm excited to see him. Uh, again, again, the Dodgers, tough matchup, but, I mean, this is this is somebody who could, who could really emerge, and, you know, in this staff, I think, you know, they have, of course, Patrick Corbin, uh, Bronson Arroyo coming back, but... He's really, you know, with with some strong performances, not really going to be uh, in danger of, of losing out when they're ready. But uh, Sean Manaya out with an oblique strain. This is, you know, a couple a couple of disappointing injuries in, to some top prospects early on. Him and Joey Gallo uh, out after a minor procedure to remove a bone from his ankle. Anything on on Manaya that, that that worries you here? And you know, when when do you expect him to be an option? Because looking at the the Royals staff, there's really just not a, a ton to like on, on their major league uh, rotation. Yeah, it kind of you know this is it's kind of a bummer. These those two injuries actually uh, combined to to kind of bum me out just because I'm going to go watch uh, you know Double A 
uh, Northwest Arkansas and Double A Frisco play each other in a in a week in a little over a week here, and uh, those were basically like if you were to just say which which players in that series are you most excited <laughs> to see, uh, it would have been Gallo, Manaya, and Nomar Mazara. That would have been my top three. So. Um, kind of a bummer that I might not get to see either of those guys go. I mean, there's a chance. There's, there's probably a 50-50 shot Gallo can go in one of those games. Um, Manaya, I, I doubt it with, you know, an oblique strain. I think they'll probably be pretty careful with him. He might not be on the hill until May. But long-term, not that worried about either guy because of these injuries. But Manaya, to me, he's the guy that I like the most in that uh, minor league system on the pitching side of things. And they have a nice setup because – when Manaya does get pitching at double A, he's going to join Brandon Finnegan and Miguel Almonte and their ETAs kind of line up perfectly with when the contracts of guys like Jeremy Guthrie and, and Jason Vargas and those guys sort of expire at the big league level. So they'll be able to hopefully make a nice little transition there. And you might see those three guys join Danny Duffy and Rodana Ventura in the rotation and maybe 2016, uh, definitely by 2017 and that would be that'd be a pretty exciting young rotation yeah it'd be a really strong core of guys and you know I'm kind of disappointed for you I mean at least as far as you know this may be you know eliminating your chances to see some of these guys you did see Gallo in, yeah. in the uh what was it the futures, Fe- futures yeah. game yeah but, but this one you were actually you're actually going to be down on the field for BP yeah right? and I, I I should still be able to you know talk to both of these guys um if they're with the team, because uh, I've got some, you know, interviews set up, uh, and yeah, definitely be down there, you know, watch watching them hit uh, before the game and everything, and uh, hopefully talk to some of the coaches down there too. But yeah, I mean, I definitely wanted to see Manaya uh, in person. Um, you know, big, you know, six five lefty, uh, you know, mid mid to low nineties with the heater. Um, definitely, definitely, just really like. Uh, how projectable he is as as a big league starter, and then Gallo, obviously everybody knows about him. And you mentioned Nomar Mazara too. You were aggressive on him in the in the our Rotowire prospect rankings. Really like what I've seen from him too. I ended up getting a share of him in Staff Keeper League One. Uh, you know, I've, I have liked what I've seen, but you know, we're young, and I think that you know you're. Your take definitely kind of boosted him up in my mind. I wanted to at least, you know, get a share of him. Well, and so uh, was this out entirely? Was it uh, Nick Schlain that sent us, or prob- oh, yeah. probably the most um, aesthetically uh, aesthetically pleasing baseball GIF I've I've ever seen? Um, I mean, <laughs> that just was beautiful. Just, I watched just that glorious. over and over. Yeah, I know. It was, it was on the minor league side, right? Him just crushing it was a homer. Basically, baseball porn. <laughs> I think it took place on the backfields out in. Yeah. Uh, Arizona, um, yeah. I mean, you should be able to find that. Just just Google um, Nomar Mazara and porn, and <laughs> and see what comes up. Um, but yeah. no, I mean, he. Yeah, I think he's he's probably one of those guys, kind of like kind of like Gallo, who's going to take um, some. It's he's not going to be a super fast riser, and I, I would even throw Jorge Alfaro in there too. I mean, they're they're all at Double A right now. But I just based on how I think this Rangers season's gonna go, I don't see see there being any reason for any of them to see any big league time until September, and maybe not even then. So you're probably looking at mid 2016 on Mazzara, especially, um, maybe even later than that, just because mm-hmm. he's 
he's a guy that probably could just use some some development in terms of his approach. But I mean, I'm, the power is really ridiculous, and he's just got one of those bodies that kind of looks like a, you know pot potential just middle of the order uh, right field body. Just an Adonis. Out there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Adrian Adonis. Um, but no, I, I'm with you. That I think it was a gift for Vine. I just that swing Manai or uh, Mazzara has is uh, pretty incredible. I, I think that's interesting that you say that. I mean, I think that that's best for the players definitely. But that organization has shown you know willing willingness you know with Rugnet Odor uh, Profar to promote some guys early. You don't think that's going to happen well, with any of those guys you mentioned? You, I. I could see it actually if I if I had to pick a guy that it might happen with is Alfaro, um, oh. just because you know their catcher situation is just a, just complete garbage, um, and they, and you know he's 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 ready defensively. I think. I mean, at least in terms of controlling the running game, and you know it wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of get him working with some of those pitchers up in the big leagues. But I mean, it's. It's going to be case by case, obviously. I, I wonder if they even look back on those moves with, um, you know, Profar and, uh, you know, even even a guy like Luis Sardinas. I wonder if they mm-hmm. think that those were the right moves looking back on them. I mean, I think with Odor, that one definitely looked right. But, I mean, I think he's kind of a different kind of guy than, than some of those other guys. So, I mean, it's definitely player by player. And with Gallo, I mean, what if he – you know, what if he goes up to the big leagues and does what Baez did, and then you have to kind of do one of these where next year you start him back in the minors? I mean, is that – nobody – the goal of every organization is to when a guy comes up for him to stay up. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you don't want to have to send a guy back down. So I don't think they're going to move Gallo up until they're they're really pretty confident that he'll be able to at least kind of hold his own. Should have asked you that uh, before I made a move in my AL only because I dropped Alfaro. Uh, I mean, I get that even if he does come up this year, it's not going to be I for a while. So. I wouldn't own him. It was sing- AL only in a single season. It was AL only deeper yeah. league, but at the same, I needed another catcher. But at the same time, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I do think that if if there is one out of the bunch, I agree with you. It could be him, just because yeah, Robinson Chirinos, knows. I mean, they don't they really don't have a lot of great options back there. And again, ready defensively. Um, we've seen it with a guy like Christian Bethencourt, you know, if you're so good behind the plate that, that you can come up and at least help there. And you know, even if you have to learn on the job at the, at the plate, uh, you can still have some value there. Anybody else from that, that double a matchup, uh, that you're going to, that you're really looking forward to seeing? Uh, yeah. I mean, Raul Mondesi got, uh, added to that double a, uh, North Arkansas team. So that'd be a good one. Um, you know, Hunter Dozier's there. Uh, Nick Williams is on on the Rough Riders. Jake Thompson is too. So yeah, I mean, just tons of talent. Um, yeah, definitely can't definitely can't wait for that. I mean, I complaining about Gallo and Manaya, but I mean, even if those yeah. two guys aren't in the mix at all, that's still just a, a completely loaded matchup. If I give you some money, we you caught me a Rough Riders jersey, Rough Riders <laughs> kit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they'll be selling those. With it being in Arkansas, that'd be oh, that'd that's be, true. Be tight yeah. if they were. Um, yeah, you in the press box, but then you go down to the merch, go down, <laughs> buy, buy some merch. <laughs> <laughs> just be, just be. I'd appreciate it. Yeah, no, maybe they'll, maybe I'll just be like, hey, you know, what's up, what's up, uh, Joey? Do you mind if uh, 
Do you got one of these that you're kind of tired of? One of these <laughs> one of these jerseys that you're not 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 down to wear anymore? Just gonna be tossing. That'd be professional. <laughs> uh, at the fall league, I did that at the fall league. I was in the press booth, like dressed up, and then I went down, creeped down to the merch booth after. But then I they had already shut it down, so I couldn't even get a shirt. But um, yeah, we're not I, I we're know. not like yeah, we're press, but we're not we're fans. Like too. I can get like access because we write about these guys, mm. but it's not like. I'm. It's not like I can't. But I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you can buy a T-shirt. Yeah. It's not that <laughs> but uh, a couple other news things. Just want to touch on quickly. Uh, Cubs C.J. Edwards starting the year at Double A Tennessee going to be pitching out of the bullpen. Uh, you know, he has kind of that slight frame. Uh, you've kind of been projecting this for quite a while now. Is this really the the end of the line as far as uh, his chance to start long term? Uh. Yeah, well, I actually just before we get into that, I'll just throw Alex Colome going to make his first rehab start on Saturday, dealing with pneumonia. Um, after that, Nate Carn start, you know, probably not not long for the rotation for Carn. So I would I would expect to see Colome in there probably before the end of the month. But uh, with C.J. Edwards, um, you know, the the last article I wrote, the last Farm Futures I wrote, was kind of projecting out what I thought the Cubs 25-man roster would look like in 2017 and who would the, who the starters would be, who'd be in the bullpen, who'd be on the bench. And I just don't see a scenario where C.J. Edwards is in that rotation. I just don't. Based on the, the resources they have, the guys that are going to be in place, you know, you got you got Lester, Arietta, and Kyle Hendricks. They're all going to be in place. I think they add two more arms either by free agency or trade. And at that point, it just makes sense for C.J. Edwards to end up in the bullpen. And even a guy like Pierce Johnson, who I, I like a tad more than Edwards in terms of being a starter, I still project Pierce Johnson to be in that bullpen too. So um, you kind of have to look at, you know, what if, if this was a team like, I don't know, like the, the Twins or, you know, maybe even like the Royals or someone like that, you could you could see them giving a guy like that a, a fair shake to be a starter because they need it so much, you know. But with mm-hmm. a team like the Cubs, if if you think a guy can like hold up over uh, you know four or five seasons as a as a nice high leverage reliever and can be really effective for you, versus the question mark of how he'll hold up as a starter, I think it makes sense to just use him as a reliever and. Um, I think he could just be dominant as a reliever. I mean, yeah. in, in short bursts, I mean, he could really you know, surplant Hector Rodon in, in coming years as that team's closer. Yeah, I like Rodon this year quite a bit. But or Rondon. Or, yeah, Rondon, I'm sorry. Um, I, I think I think he's going to be, you know, have a good chance to hold on to that job for a while. I mean, he got a pretty early endorsement from Joe Madden uh, in spring training. But I'm with you on Edwards. I mean, <clears throat> looking at the numbers last year between, you know, he – he went from rookie ball to to double A. Double A two four four ERA, one point oh six WHIP. Uh, you know eight point six K per nine. But you know at his prior stops he'd average better than eleven strikeouts per nine. So really has the swing and miss stuff. He just needs to you know refine that control. But in shorter spurts maybe he can you know focus on just pounding the zone and, and really uh, missing bats. And yeah, twenty three years old. I think it's wise. You know well, he is six three, but only one hundred seventy pounds. And the the move to the bullpen now is just kind of one of those sort of keep your options open type of moves where you kind of see how the year is going up 
up in Chicago, right? I mean, if you're you keep him in the bullpen probably till till June or something like that, and if the Cubs are hanging with it, if they're like 500 or even maybe a little bit better than that, or at least within striking distance, then I think you you leave him in the bullpen and you bring him up when you feel he's ready to contribute to the major league pen. But if you look up in June or July and the Cubs are kind of out of it, they're like five or ten games back or something like that, then maybe you, you stretch him out again to kind of finish off the year and kind of keep your options open that way because you're not going to – his innings aren't going to be at a point where you can't, you know, use him as a starter over the final couple months in the minor mm-hmm. leagues. This way they just kind of have more options that way. Whereas if, if he'd been a starter from, from the get-go, then using him in the bullpen down the stretch might not have necessarily been an option. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And when you had when you did your uh Cubs organizational ranks, you had them pretty low and I was a bit surprised. But now I mean looking really smart and I think you remember where you had him in in the round table, Edwards? I mean you were uh far, far outside the top one hundred, yeah. probably in like the one twenty range. Do you think this is a route that could go with Pierce Johnson or do you think he's gonna s- stick in the rotation? I mean, if I had to bet on one of those guys to stick in the rotation, I'd bet on Johnson. Uh, he also though might profile as you know a reliever. I I kind of when I was sort of playing this out to 2017, I I said that they might use him sort of the way that uh, the Orioles are using Bunt or the Orioles are using Gaussman or the way that the the Giants are using Yusmero Petit, where he's kind of their two two and a half inning guy. Um, but yeah, I mean if. Uh, this is a big year for Pierce Johnson. I don't think they're even thinking about him contributing at the big league level yet. But mm-hmm. if he can kind of make some strides as a starter, then he could actually end up projecting into that rotation in, in the next couple of years. Check out all of James Anderson's uh, Farm Futures pieces at Rotowire. If you don't have a subscription, you can get 10 days for free, no strings attached. Go to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash pod. We're going to get to our final segment I'm uh, going to keep this going, grading out professional wrestlers on the 20 to 80 scale. Thanks to Brad Ebert and others on Twitter for throwing out some recommendations. Brad suggested uh, Rockers era Shawn Michaels. like that one. Uh, but we're going to go with Jake the Snake Roberts, a classic option. If you haven't heard <laughs> elite option, if you haven't heard this segment before, uh, we, we grade out on, on the five tools of wrestling uh, for a professional wrestler on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. Look, entrance, signature move, command of the crowd, and ring presence. Uh, Jake the Snake, you know, we've we've really been hitting on a lot of just legends. Mr. Perfect, Undertaker, uh, who else? Ultimate Warrior. But we also had a a tag team, the Natural Disasters. And I think in future weeks we're also going to hit on some some guys who who grade out a little bit uh, lower on the scale. I was kind of looking back and trying to see, like, who we had – ranked as the best because you know if we you do the mean rating of of these rankings and and i actually have uh i have three guys coming into this week i had three guys straight at a 70 and <laughs> um i didn't even bother doing the overall for the natural disasters because they were going to be so low but i mean i had, <laughs> I had taker uh ultimate warrior and perfect all at 70s you had uh perfect at a 70 ultimate warrior at a 65 but you had undertaker at a 75 so mm-hmm. um Undertaker, your your overall leader in the clubhouse coming into this week, but uh, it looked like I mean, just we we can start it off with Jake the Snake, but um, we're pretty much the same all the way down the board, 
you know, within five points or so, except for this first category. Yeah, this one <laughs> look <laughs> is is debatable, Jake, because if we want to take all you know the the whole career into perspective here when we're talking about look and towards his later years where he had to wear pretty much a shirt to hide the gut. At, I mean, at one point, um, I'm going to go with a six. Uh, I'm sorry, a fifty for look. Did have a solid, you know kind of a unique average. look, yeah, solid average look. <laughs> I mean, not a you know had the mustache which was solid, had the hair, uh, but he's also kind of balding up top and uh, not always in the best shape. But he was always really intense looking, and uh, that I like. So I'm going to give him you know solid solid average uh, ra- rating there. So I went 65, and it's kind of in the context of the character because. You know, if you if you just had a room of of you know twenty wrestlers and they were just standing there, um, like in their in their street clothes or whatever, he probably wouldn't get a sixty five from me. But I just think the the specific character that he's portraying, I think he he's got almost the perfect look for, and he has that sort of he has that kind of look where if you if you saw him like in a bar or something. <laughs> He'd just be one of those guys that you just kind of stayed away from, you know, like, yeah. like, I don't, uh, I don't know. I'm, I don't know about that guy. He's got that, you know, the curly hair that the stash, you know, tall kind of intimidating look, the balding it, it's yeah. He's, he's got, he's got some bald spots. He's, he's missing some hair, but it's not, it's not to the, it's not a gross looking bald, no. <laughs> you know, by, by, by the, by those uh, standards. So, uh, yeah, 65, I'm, I'm fine with giving him that. No, you're you're actually dead on with that call. As far as you know, if you saw Jake in the, the you know a bar, you know by the pool table, you're not uh, just going. Shooting pool, you're, you're not, not like, going you're anywhere trying near. Trying no eye contact. <laughs> like you you think about leaving the bar. <laughs> maybe maybe you sit, you know, at the absolute opposite end of the bar. Uh, if you if you see him get up and start walking towards you, you like dive into a booth. Like I mean you're you're just trying to not have to do any anything with yeah. it. And I think that's a great point to make because he did not have the muscles, the the build of your typical scary pro wrestler. But at the same time he was scary in his own right just because he was kind of like, creepy and just tough looking. Like if I saw perfect at a bar I don't. I'd want to go up to him. Yeah, I want to hang out. With <laughs> like him. I'd be like, "What's up, man? What's up with you? What's your story?" Yeah. <laughs> the craziest was when Jake, um, he's feuding with Rick the Model Martell. I think he was leading up to WrestleMania six, and Martell sprayed his cologne arrogance into his eyes, and Jake like went blind for a while, and like then he like they must have put like contacts in his eyes because he like took off his bandages and was like just had white for his eyes, but. Uh, classic look and uh, just just on edge all the time and just just a you know guy that you uh you know yeah you're right you just do not want to interact with in public but uh the, as far as my the 50 rating maybe I'm, I'm a bit too harsh there but i'm gonna stick by it as far as entrance goes uh I'm, i've got a 70 mark you got a 75 i mean the music was you know kind of understated but kind of kind of creepy and just his i liked his, it yeah, I, I like his like music. Too. Like if, his music, like it's not it's not gonna like amp you up, mm-hmm. but you didn't really need that. Like yeah. his walk and what was in his bag that he was carrying, <laughs> what he, what he was bringing with him. I mean, that was enough to kind of to kind of amp everybody up. I mean, the music was just kind of yeah, like kind of creepy, but kind of you know just kind of 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it played well to the character, definitely. Yeah. The snake, it was and he was always just, you know, beelining for the ring with his eyes on his yeah. opponents. Uh, All business. Snake around the All business. around the yeah. shoulder. Uh, and then it, so and then the the sliding the bag in the ring and then sitting in the corner yeah yeah and then pulling himself up yeah. in the corner I mean a lot of guys copied that and have copied every aspect of Jake the Snake throughout the years so often imitated <laughs> yeah never never duplicated <laughs> that uh, so yeah good marks there but uh, slight difference between us not the case in this next category signature move uh, setting the bar really for this one James why don't you uh, why don't you just Tell them what, what you got for this one. So uh, I went 80. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pretty devastating move, uh, the DDT. Uh, and this is – it's one where, like, you could look at 10 different times he performed it, and, you know, maybe there might be, like, two or three that just didn't – look that smooth but like the ones where where you absolutely nail it and it and it looks seamless i mean it's just like out cold and Mm -hmm. he has this this great quote when when someone asked him to um to explain what what ddt stood for and he just said he he famously replied this is from wikipedia he famously replied the end (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like that somebody thought that was like an acronym or something. I don't know, but that's uh, that's a great, just so short and simple. And Jake was always good on the mic and just smart, really smart guy too. But uh, we'll actually touch more on that maybe here shortly. But I also had an 80. You know, the DDT is a move that's now just commonplace. I mean, every wrestler really does a DDT now. Uh, but back then it was something really special. And how Jake, yeah, you quick, Quick little snap of the head, uh, just driving him right into the uh, the canvas. And when he would hook the hook the arm, twirl the hand up in the air, the crowd would just go nuts. And at the time, it was really unique. So, um, you know, and everybody's copying it now. It really goes to show, uh, you know, it seems simple, but the impact this move has had on the industry is, is pretty uh, substantial. So that's an easy 80 for me, one of the best finishers of all time. Now, command of the crowd... Again, 80s for both of us. I mean, wh- what's your reasoning here? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this was a pretty easy one. Um, that like there's there's that scene uh, <laughs> where he is calling out Macho Man and and you know McMahon's telling him don't don't go up there, Macho, and like he you know he just keeps keeps laying into him, just keeps talking junk and. Macho ends up going up there, and you know, obviously Jake the Snake takes him out, and ends end up ends up having his cobra bite him. Yeah, that was one um, of the crazier moments ever. And you know, just I'm trying to find that quote, uh, but but um, here, what, why don't you why don't you talk about your rating? I'll try to find that that quote yeah, that really do, really kind of explains one... uh, why why this is this is an eighty. Yeah, it was. It's all about the ring psychology here. I mean, nobody ever did it better, uh, as far as being like a heel. Oh, okay, I got okay, it. Okay, okay. Um, so, so <laughs> this is this is a great, just a great quote. Um, for, this is not even a quote. It's just someone writing this on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, throughout his career, he was known for his intense and cerebral promos, his dark charisma, 
and his extensive use of psychology in his matches. <laughs> so extensive. <laughs> I mean, the guy, the guy would just say little things in his promos that would, you know, just make you think. You know, he was actually a really smart guy. Still is. I mean, I'm glad to see that he has turned his life around. Actually, he was in a pretty deep, dark place. It sounded like. Uh, thank you, DDP Yoga, <laughs> for that. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know what that is, that Jamie. Diamond Dallas page. Diamond Dallas page. He has his own like yoga thing. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, <clears throat> all about the the psychology, and you know he was a great good guy, but as a, as a bad guy, you know he he could get those people stirred up uh, like nobody else. Yeah, and the I don't know where the I don't know where the snake Damien falls into this. If this is is this would you would you say that's ring presence or commanded crowd? You know, I think it may be commanded the crowd just because, you know, when you slide that thing in the ring and everyone um, starts chanting for you to you take Damien. it out of the bag, yeah. Damien, yeah, Damien was great and yeah, he, just a scary scene. Scary, scary. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, talk about a live attraction, a reason to go to the show. I mean, remember once I think he put Andre the Giant in the ropes and. Uh, you know, brought the snake out, and you see a guy like Andre the Giant, you know, scared, yeah. you know, showing so much fear. Uh, <laughs> Striking fear into Andre the Giant. <laughs> I mean, only Jake really could do that. Now, ring presence, I'm a bit bit lower here. I got a 65, you got a 70. Um, my reasoning primarily, just that, I mean, you know, psychology, of course, great, but as far as in the ring goes, it wasn't a... You know, a huge, a huge presence. You know, a huge guy. We talked about that a bit with Look, uh, at least as far as build goes, and you know the the athleticism. You know, actual in ring product, decent, but not not that great. That's why I got it at sixty five. Yeah, no, I. That's that's a great, great kind of way of framing it. I, I should probably lower mine to a to a sixty five as well, but. You know, I mean, kind of a a brawler. I mean, before mm-hmm. before the signature move got you know utilized in the match you know just kind of a brawler but but an effective brawler um his little jabs yeah like a guy that you didn't you didn't really want a piece of and (laughs) you know he was fighting two on one also so i mean you got to kind of factor that in. i mean it was it wasn't just him but you know he had he had some help and in damien so um you know it's 65 70 i mean kind of splitting hairs but you know definitely uh a guy that you didn't want to didn't want to have to mess with if you could help it. I do recommend going out and just Google search "best Jake the Snake" promo and just maybe check out a couple of those. Um, I, I am upset that his feud with Macho Man Randy Savage was cut short because that moment where Savage uh, was bit in the arm and he actually had to come out of retirement. He had to like beg the front office to because he had lost a, re- a retirement match to the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania the year before. And I was I was pumped for that feud as a kid, but didn't really uh, end up playing out uh, very well. But that'll do it for this episode of the uh, Rotowire Prospect Podcast. We'll be back with you next week. Uh, going to be starting to actually watch minor league games, so uh, going to be giving you a lot of analysis from those. And J- uh, James, have fun at the uh, AA Northwest Arkansas, but we will record one more uh, before that trip before you head out. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. 
Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.